welcome to the High Vibe and Healthy Podcast. My name is Fran Dargaville and I'm a functional nutritionist with a passion for gut health and real food. I'm here to share my take on nutrition and health, answer your questions and chat with leading health and wellness experts and all-round inspiring humans. Enjoy this week's episode and submit your questions at frandargaville.com or via my Instagram, frandargaville. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the High Vibe and Healthy podcast. In this episode, I'm speaking with SIBO expert, Dr. Holly Lucille. Dr. Lucille is a licensed naturopathic doctor, educator, and TV and radio host. You might recognize her from guest appearances on Dr. Oz, NBC's The Doctors, Lifetime, Discovery Health Channel, and Time Magazine's alt list of the 100 most influential people. In this episode, we speak about what SIBO is. We talk about probiotics and SIBO because this is one of those areas that is a little bit gray and a lot of practitioners deal with in very different ways. So Dr. Holly shares with us what the science actually says and which strains are most effective. She also shares with us the link between food poisoning and SIBO or IBS and how you can actually prevent this from happening in the first place. And finally, we speak about getting a diagnosis for SIBO. And the best way to go about that if you suspect this is something that you're dealing with. If you're interested in SIBO and you want more of the foundations and more of an overview, check out episode number 45 of this podcast, which is a solo episode with me chatting about what SIBO is, the most common symptoms of SIBO, and how to start to overcome SIBO naturally. So that is episode number 45, but this episode with Dr. Holly is absolutely awesome. So let's get into it. Hello, Dr. Holly Lucille. Welcome to the podcast. Oh my gosh. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to have you here and to be taking a bit of a deep dive into SIBO. So we have got a podcast episode that I've previously recorded on SIBO, but in this episode, we're going to be taking a much deeper dive into some different aspects of SIBO. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, of course. So for anyone who doesn't know what SIBO is, and perhaps they haven't listened to that other episode of the podcast, could you explain to us what it actually is? Yeah, it's interesting. So I have one patient that calls it SIBO, um, which I, I try to cor- correct, but it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't work every time. But so SIBO, S-I-B-O, is the acronym for Small Intestinal Bacterial Overgrowth. And that's defined as sort of excessive bacteria in the small intestines or the small bowel. Um, and, and, and while bacteria naturally occurs throughout the entire digestive tract, the small intestines have really, they're supposed to have a relatively low uh, count of bacteria. So that the highest count is supposed to be in the colon. So small intestinal bacteria overgrowth is that overgrowth that happens in the small intestines where it really should not be there. Yeah. Okay. That is really helpful. And what are some of the main signs and symptoms of someone who is experiencing SIBO? Yeah, it's a great question. So they are vast in my opinion. I mean, what I've seen clinically is anywhere from nausea, bloating, diarrhea, malnutrition. So you'll come up on lab tests where we see low vitamin, like uh, B12 levels, um, eczema, asthma, rosacea, another dermatological sign, believe it or not, 
rashes, fatigue, joint pain. It's kind of all over the place, which has been one of these curious sort of situations where we as clinicians are scratching our head with the presentation that somebody comes in. It's like, hey, what's going on? And in my opinion, friend, it's, it's, it's fairly a relatively new diagnosis. Like we're used to like, you know, the diagnosis of leaky gut or hyperpermeability, right? Or uh, IBS or irritable bowel syndrome. But the whole SIBO thing has been relatively new, but I have to tell you um, more and more and more where I test, um, I see that this is what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. That's so interesting. And what is the link or the difference between IBS and SIBO? Well, I think from an irritable bowel syndrome, right? So that could be many different things, whether it's dysbiosis, meaning like, you know, there's um, an imbalance in your microbiota. Um, There could be, you know, we all know the gut brain connection, right? So the only organ system that's directly innervated from your nervous system is your gut, right? So if somebody is exhibiting a lot of anxiety, even depression, we see that with constipation, alternating with diarrhea, et cetera. But with SIBO, it's really in the testing because it's oftentimes that they overlap. All of those diagnoses sort of overlap and you don't really know what's going on until you, it's sort of like the devil's in the details. And you really do have to test in a sense to understand what's going on. Because one of the biggest things is a lot of people will have digestive disturbances and go, you know what? I think you just need probiotics. You know, I've heard this all the time. I just, and so, so they throw all these probiotics at them, you know, uh, multiple strains, high colony forming units, and you think that's gonna help. And guess what happens? It gets worse. And that's mostly what has kicked a lot of our us clinicians off to like something else is going on here and we need to figure it out. And that is where SIBO takes place. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really that, you know, with IBS, it's it's generally that just presentation of symptoms and there's no understanding of, of the cause. And obviously SIBO also has a cause too, but it's more of an indication of what's actually going on in that unique individual. Yeah. I mean, I I think, you know, one of the things I've learned mostly about SIBO is there's been a disruption in that migrating motor complex, that MMC. So we have this whole system that takes our food and kind of like pushes it down. And sometimes for a variety of reasons, whether it's structural defects in the small intestines, um, uh, scleroderma is actually a causative factor Celiac disease is very common, certain medications, diabetes actually, these can be causes and risk factors for having this overgrowth of bacteria in your small intestines. And the why it's such a big deal is that when that happens, you know, your small intestines is, it's, it's kind of where the food intermingles with digestive juices, all right? and the nutrients are absorbed into the bloodstream. So if you've got SIBO, so small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, malabsorption, particularly with fat soluble vitamins and iron can quickly become a problem. And then the bloating happens because these bacteria, just like you and I, when we take in oxygen, right? We give off a waste product like carbon dioxide. So these bacteria also have somewhat of a, you know, cellular respiration, 
And so they're giving off things that are creating this very uncomfortable gases that are bloating. And that's the number one sign and symptom that I see when folks present with SIBO. Yeah, absolutely. That is really, really interesting. Would you be able to explain to us the link between food poisoning and SIBO or IBS? Yeah. So I think that's a great question. Food poisoning, you get an introduction of some bacteria and that overgrowth almost halts the the peristalsis or that normal functioning of food coming in from the mouth, being digested, assimilated, and then moving down all into your, you know, being absorbed getting to your bloodstream after it's assimilated to have those nutrients drive your biochemistry. And then that food poisoning though, that overgrowth sometimes gets stuck. And I think that is what has been causative in that migrating motor complex. And that's why a lot of times in treatment of SIBO, these prokinetics, so like moving things along are extremely important. Also the, the, the same, not that we want to rush to treatment per se, but, um, uh, food spacing so we can let everything rest and not have everything kind of come in at one time. So spacing your food out. But I think that has been one of the things that we've seen um, being certainly associated with the causation of SIBO is that food poisoning. And people who end up with this diagnosis, they can look back. I've seen it more and more and go, you know what? I did. I came back from a trip. I felt horrible for like 48 hours. This is what happened. This was that. And then the symptoms never resolved. And folks went to treat them in a regular way, whether it was IBS with, you know, probiotics in this way, or, you know, treating the gut, like we all know how to do with the sort of four to seven R's, which is remove, re-inoculate, repair, right? Recover all of those things, but they would still have symptoms. And I think this is where we've got to get into the testing of, okay, this is SIBO. And if you throw probiotics at SIBO, a lot of times the symptoms just get worse. And that's where everybody's been so confused. And I think that's where we are starting to understand more of the nuances of being able to look at this clinically in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. So if someone catches it, you know, I think a lot of people can look back and say, oh, five or 10 years ago, I had this bout of food poisoning. But if someone listening experiences food poisoning in the future, what can they actually do to mitigate the damage? And perhaps if they're traveling, you know, prevent that from occurring in the first place? You know, I think one of the most important things is when you're traveling, especially these days, is just to be prepared if you have good bacteria on board, it can help push out the bad ones and as well peppermint leaf extract, which helps the peristalsis. It is a almost like an anti-spasmodic. It, it kind of relaxes the smooth muscle. So that's extremely important. And then also just traveling with a first aid kit charcoal, I think is extremely important for anybody who's traveling. I have it all the time. Like I, whenever I travel, I have all this stuff in my cupboard. Okay. And depending on where I'm going, I have it all stocked up. Right. So even if it's on a hiking trip, I like how many days am I going? You know, what am I going to be doing? Where am I sourcing my food? All of that stuff. And I would pack my little sort of first aid kit and there would always be 
specific strains of probiotics, there would always be charcoal. There would always be things that I knew that I could have on board to help mitigate anything that came about because my food at that point in time was really not in my control. Yeah, absolutely. I'm also a huge fan of charcoal as well. And I've been traveling (laughs) with it for many years as well. So can't speak highly enough about having that in your travel first aid kit. Yeah. So yeah, the flight armor was something that came up and then the SIBO armor was like, you know, because that's the thing with SIBO is like not all probiotics are good. In fact, you'll, you'll exacerbate the symptoms. And so SIBO armor has the studied strains that are SIBO safe, has that peppermint in it. And that's, that's why I take that in as well. Like that's just important because and I have to tell you, I've been in clinical practice for over 20 years and it always grabs my attention when I start to see a clinical condition like be on the rise? Like, is this just like a trend? But no, it's, I think it's something that we just started to study and we're helping people because um, there were long lasting digestive disturbances that with all of our conventional wisdom, with everything that we had, we'd throw at it. And still these people were not getting any better. And so when you get down into it, and we now know that these bacteria have migrated up into the small intestines, they're intermingling with how our food is digesting and it's fermenting and causing these issues, we've got to have the right strain of probiotics to take care of that. And that's what's also, I think, in my opinion, and you as a functional medicine folk, the studies on precision probiotics are blowing my mind these days, blowing Mm. my mind. Could you specify which strains are actually most effective? Yeah, for sure. So I think from a SIBO perspective, one of the things you want to look for are Saccharomyces boulardii, the Lactobacillus acidophilus, really important, Lactobacillus plantarum, Bifidobacteria lactis, and then also what I think um, helps really for symptom relief and decreasing the bloating because the number one thing and, you know, I've seen it on, you know, cause I can test people and, and I do test people, you know, so you don't, when you get down to it, you don't guess you test, right? So there's a, a solution containing, you know, sugars that complete the breath test, whether it's lactulose, glucose, xylose, you know, there's, there's a lot of different um, functional medicine tests out there to understand. But when it comes down to the patient experience, it's that bloating that is constant, that no matter what they try is getting their attention. It's day, it's night, it's in between meals, it's during meals, and it's so frustrating. So it's the peppermint leaf extract with all of that, um, that I think makes a big difference. Mm, mm, Absolutely. So is that the main way then that you recommend that people get diagnosed if this is something that they suspect that they're dealing with? Well, I think if you've got digestive symptoms, it's horrible, right? So of course you want to understand, are there any other contributing factors? Do you have food sensitivities? Um, Whether they're, you know, IgA related, which is irritating the gut lining, IgG, which is delayed food sensitivities. Certainly those things are important. If there is a dysbiosis, which I mean, basically SIBO, I think is dysbiosis because it's dys meaning irregular, right? And biosis meaning your microbiome. You've got irregular bacteria up in your small intestines. And that is extremely important, but I think the right strains of probiotic because the wrong strains and the wrong dosing is just going to perpetuate those symptoms. And that's what 
in my opinion, um, kind of makes people shy away from the kind of crafty work that we do, right? We really want to get in there to root cause medicine. But if we're just throwing all these generic probiotics at one condition and people are getting worse, then they're going to go and try to do something else, which might even be more harmful. So I think in this case, and I've always said this about endocrinology, the devil's in the details. I think that with SIBO, the devil is in the details as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it really is one of those areas as well that is just not a DIY job. You know, as you said, you can experiment, but even a probiotic can actually be flaring up your symptoms, something that for, you know, the majority of the population is you know, pretty harmless. So it's good to be mindful that if you've tried the basics and it's not helping and you are experiencing these kind of symptoms, then it's probably worth exploring this, getting tested and making sure you are going down the right path and not taking things that are actually going to potentially make your symptoms worse and just be, you know, a total waste of money as well. Yeah, exactly. And like, the product that I, I do recommend, it's called SIBO Armor. You can go to Armor RX, it's A-R-A-R-M-O-U-R-R-X. But all of the, the, the ingredients are studied. 71% decrease in IBS and SIBO symptoms just because of the studied strains. And, you know, I've, I've been looking at studied strains for so long now. I mean, there are studied strains in probiotics that are helpful for mood. They're helpful for weight loss. They're helpful for decreasing LDL, your, you know, quote unquote, bad cholesterol. That blows me away. And when you have studied strains and that's, I mean, it's just such a big category right now. People are just into it. Like I can't even like, because of our, the, the microbiome studies that have been, been going on for so long we can really make a difference if you do things right. And when the devil's in the details and you've got after 30 days of treatment, a 71.3% decrease of symptoms with IBS and SIBO, it's, it, it just makes such a difference. And people notice the difference because look, I made mistakes when I went out there, you know, and I didn't know this information. And I would just like go, hey, we need to clean up your microbiota. We need to increase new bacteria. We need to, you know, flood them and, and get all the bad stuff out and people got worse. How did that reflect on me? Not great, not great at all until I had to increase my knowledge along with the science. And that's what made a difference with this, with this uh, pesky little SIBO thing. And it is, it's still new, um, but so many people have presented clinically in the last four or five years. I can't even tell you. And it's like, once I test and I get it, it's like, then we're on, on the road to recovery and people feel a lot better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's really helpful. And that is the challenge when it's all relatively new and different people are addressing this in different ways. Just a short break from the episode to let you know that I'm currently offering free strategy sessions. This is a 20-minute call with me to discuss your current health challenges and goals and for you to find out more about how functional nutrition can support you. If you're sick and tired of putting up with frustrating symptoms and you're ready to wake up feeling light, energized and healthy, I reckon it's time to take action. Head to frandargaville.com forward slash strategy session or the link in the show notes to book your free strategy session. I live in Los Angeles, California, and 
at Cedars, they Cedars Sinai, the, the the major hospital here, they have a whole SIBO center where they started really diving into the research. I, I, I laugh about location, location, location. We say that with real estate, but it is also very true with our bacteria. And yes, we've got good bacteria and other bacteria, you know, how many 100 trillion throughout our entire digestive system, but the upper you know, that small intestine, which is our longest part of our, it just doesn't, there's, there's not a lot there. And when we come into things in our modern day and aging is one of them, um, certain medications, like I talked about food poisoning, like you talked about, then we've got this overgrowth. And so do we want to crowd them out? Yes. Do we want to kill them with with antibiotics or specific, you know, uh, I would say more natural products that have antimicrobial activities. Yes, but you've got to focus on the right strains. And that's where I think SIBO armor comes up and you get it and you get it done. And after only 30 days of treatment, people start feeling better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really helpful. So alongside that, you know, taking the correct st- strain of probiotics, what are the other factors that you see contributing to SIBO being resolved, basically, you know, whether that is, as you mentioned, you know, various natural medicines or, you know, not natural medicines, um, what so antibiotics, and, you know, other lifestyle factors as well, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, you do have to kind of we do have to find a way to kind of kill them off, I think. And then, so that's the, the, the remove part of, you know, what is in there. Then the re-inoculating is a good bacteria. So, you know, there are, you know, certainly antibiotics. SIBO is difficult to treat it, it is. Antibiotics, as we all know, will probably do the job of killing off things that we want to kill off. But what, what do they also kill off? Our good stuff. So there is a antibiotic protocol that a lot of people use that is, is effective for SIBO. But once again, we've got to, one of the things about SIBO, Fran, is that it is notorious if you don't do the right thing, like re-inoculating is coming back. So, and there's also, um, there's also other things that have been clinically studied, oregano oil, berberine, worm, wormwood oil, lemon balm oil. Those things have been mentioned in studies that help decrease the small bacterial overgrowth as well. And then one of the things that's helpful from a, I think a a symptom perspective is a FODMAP elimination diet. So what are FODMAPs? They're foods that aren't fully absorbed in the body and end up fermenting in the digestive tract. So what do they do? They feed that bacteria that is growing in our small intestines and only make the whole thing worse. So things with fructose, like fruit juices, honey, baked goods, um, lactose, so conventional dairy and processed products with added lactose, wheat are some things, garlic, onion, asparagus, things like galactagins, like Brussels sprouts, soy. So a low FODMAP diet also is really helpful in prescribing symptom relief and also treatment during a time when we under, are trying to understand that uh, SIBO is kind of the culprit that's happening when somebody's presenting clinically with all of these digestive symptoms that can't really be solved in any other way. And that's the horrible thing is that people come, we don't know much about SIBO, we don't know much about the study strains that we have to use, and we use conventional treatments. So they go through it, they pay the money, they see the practitioner, 
they end up being worse. And that's the travesty of it all. Yeah. And this is the challenge, right? When people have been on the low FODMAP diet for many years, and that is restrictive firstly, and they're also missing out on the benefits of prebiotics and having a varied diet as well. So that is a huge challenge and why, if you can do your best to do it the right way, or, you know, as best as you can the first time around, that's going to be super beneficial. Yeah, because we want, you know, it's like, and you can use like the Saccharomyces boulardii, the Bifidobacterium lactis, the Lactobacillus acidophilus, Lactobacillus plantarum. These things, they've been used on their own or in combination with Rifaxman, which is the antibiotic, with FODMAP-friendly diets, um, with the elemental diet, which is another diet that is commonly prescribed when we want to just decrease all of the fermentation in that upper bowel to get people comfortable and heal this thing. Extremely, extremely important. Mm, mm, yeah, absolutely. That's really helpful. And with the probiotics, if you're doing, you know, the rifaximin or, you know, the natural approach to that, are you taking those probiotics alongside that? How does that look? That's a, yeah, that's a great question, right? I think there's a couple of school of thoughts, but for me, what I've seen clinically work best is sometimes going through a course of treatment and then starting your probiotics, maybe a day, a day, right? Before you end your treatment of antibiotics, but taking them at night. Cause we want to take, when we, when I, I feel like when we, we take probiotics, I don't want anything to disrupt it. I don't want that migrating motor complex that we do want moving along. I don't want any food to get in the way. I don't, I want these guys to get in there, right. To be able to get into the place that they need to get and be able to colonize and survive. That's the most important thing because these are live bacteria. And that is so important that they get through our stomach acid. Another thing about, I think, SIBO armor is that enterocoded delayed release gets down in, it passes the stomach acid, it gets down into the small intestines where it needs to be, then inoculates and colonizes and survives. So in my opinion, it's best taken at night away from all other supplements, including antibiotics or antimicrobials, if they're going to be natural and other food products. So it's so great to just have it by your bedside, take it at night and then let it do its job. Yeah, that's really great advice. I love that. So to wrap up everything that we have spoken about, is there anything else that you feel is missing from this conversation that you would like to add? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think, look, if you have a digestive symptoms that are, are persistent, no matter what you tried, whether you're eating fermented food, you know, whether you're doing intermittent fasting, whether you are, you know, trying to do elimination diet, and they're still persisting, I think don't guess test. And then make sure if it's SIBO that you're looking at studied strains and you're not overdosing because that's going to be a problem. It's only going to make it worse. So something like SIBO armor is going to be perfect for you. Peppermint is, it soothes the GI tract. It increases bioflow, reduces that colon spasm, improves the abdominal pain. And that's important too. So symptom relief is one thing, right? So we want to have that on board, but curing it and getting rid of it is the most important thing. So don't guess, test, make sure you're working with a practitioner, listening to your podcast so we can get the right information because I've seen so many people present with digestive symptoms that have been going on for years and everything that they try and everything they read off the internet is not working. 
and they're still bloated. And that's when we know we need to get a little bit more specific and the devil will be in those details. Mm, mm, absolutely. That is really, really good advice. So Holly, where's the best place for people to find you online and learn more from you? You know, that's a great question. I do have a website. It's drhollywoodseal.com. I have recently scrubbed that a little bit because I used to have a clinical practice and I'm, I'm doing other things right now. I'm still clinically practicing, but don't have a private clinical practice. But you can you can find me or ask me any questions at drhollywoodseal.com. That's drhollywoodseal.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been such an insightful conversation. I've loved it so much. So thank you for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. And thanks for what you do and sharing the wisdom with everybody. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the High Vibe and Healthy podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to chat with me about how we can work together to reach your health goals, head to frandargaville.com. To connect with me day to day, Instagram is the place to be. Follow me via my handle at Fran Dargaville. And finally, please note that the materials and content within this podcast are intended as general information only and are not considered to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. <laughs>